Welcome to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast with your host Nicole Rose from the Solidarity Apothecary. This is your place for all things plants and liberation. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast. Uh, This is another interview in the series exploring the politics of trauma, where we're looking at the kind of different forces that shape our lives and that can shape our bodies and our nervous systems. Um, And in this episode, we're going to be talking all about class. Um, So we're going to be, yeah, I'm going to be interviewing one of my close friends, my bestie. So she's using the name Foyce Kriavo and she will laugh at me and my pronunciation, even though I was literally born in Wales and half my family speak Welsh, but I can't. Um, I need to I need to learn Welsh badly but yeah we you know it's kind of informal because we're really um, old close friends but we've had so many conversations about class over the years um, and I really wanted to have her on the show to talk about kind of class and how it connects to trauma so yeah we explore different things um, you know how this kind of sort of analysis of if you sell your labor your working class can you know bring some kind of unity and struggle but can also really flatten people's experiences um, and kind of erase some of the quite serious differences between people's life experiences Um, we talk about concepts like the underclass you know where people are kind of occupying like different kind of you know several different kinds of oppressions and different kind of desperate situations and have you know many barriers to like making life stable Um, we talk about middle class culture and how a lot of it is built on kind of furthering oneself and social mobility and less about like class solidarity and looking after each other we talk about you know kind of not leaving people behind and like what kind of um yeah showing up for each other looks like yeah we talk about um like kind of class safety nets you know just yeah recovering from trauma while still in the midst of kind of you know like challenging like life experiences right um and yeah we also talk about yeah how how people are like very stigmatized and different forms of prejudice um but yeah there's all all the things basically we kind of go through loads of different questions um around class and trauma and experiences and different anarchist movements and you know what would a kind of focus on class really look like in terms of like actual solidarity and mutual aid so i'm extremely grateful for her time um i hope you find the interview interesting i hope if you're from a more working class background maybe you find it validating and helpful and if you're not then maybe it's also you know interesting to hear and interesting to lean into different perspectives you know I just want to say like this isn't an academic approach right like we're not talking about <laughs> like social economic theory and all this stuff like we're talking about class as like a lived experience um, and I also want to like preface that that like you know we're talking about it in this like kind of England and Wales context which you know where we do have like vast amounts of privilege compared to most of the planet but you know we still live in like a heavily class stratified society so yeah I just wanted to kind of name that um you know we talk about how class intersects with different oppressions but we're also both white um and cis and fairly able-bodied so yeah there's kind of like more nuance there but anyway we dive into all that stuff during the interview i yeah i really hope you find it interesting i'll put some of the books she mentions in the show notes so you can check those out um and yeah i hope i hope you i hope you learn something okay thank you so much for being here and giving me your kind of time and energy today Please, can you introduce yourself, your pronouns, like any kind of 
political affinities or projects you'd like to include? Like, I know we'll do like a much longer introduction, but I just wondered if you could share a little bit about who you are. Yeah, my pronouns are she, her. Like over the years, I've been involved with um, different groups. But uh, two years ago, I had my daughter and um, yeah, I wasn't able to be part of um, yeah radical movement in the way that I was before. But I did manage to get to a few things organised by Birth Beyond Bars, which is a really great group campaigning for the end of um, imprisonment for pregnant people. Um, and I also was part of like um, campaigning to drop the charges against the uh, young people in Cardiff that were criminalised for the riots um, caused by police, um, causing the death of two, two children basically in Ely um, in Cardiff. So... Um, yeah, um, and at the moment I'm just um, trying my best to trying to work out how to um, be part of a movement for change, but in a way that like I can manage because I've got to earn money to live and to pay for childcare to be able to do anything. So I'm basically trying to um, yeah write and mainly about um, yeah underclass experience and in in radical movements often so yeah that's it amazing thank you so much for being here um so yeah so we're going to be talking about trauma and class today yeah and I know those are like really huge topics um and yeah I'm obviously like really proud that like I've known you a long time and like we're super close friends and been through a lot together but for like people who don't know you who haven't had that pleasure can you share a little bit more about yourself like whatever you feel comfortable sharing like just kind of like for context yeah sure well I met Nicole when we were doing something against the name NATO summit in Newport um in 2014 and um at time my brother was in prison and you know it was kind of felt a lonely experience to have you know family go through these kinds of things and in the kind of anarchist activist whatever scene it, they weren't the people like that so when I met Nicole something sort of clicked and I got involved in the Empty Cages Collective which was basically trying to be a catalyst for the abolition movement in the UK um and this was like before it was kind of really spoken about much apart from in like you know random academic circles um or it was you know it was a grassroots movement in the USA and other parts of the world but it was not very known around here so to be honest yeah that like I was part of also those anarchists and like the Welsh language movement and other kind of things like um a lot but um yeah, from 2014 to basically before I, um, around the pandemic, I was mostly doing um, things in different prisoner support and different like prison abolition kind of uh, groups. Um, and yeah, some of it was, it was, yeah, it was some, sometimes it was difficult um, working with people that were basically just like my family and were triggering to me in the same way my family can be triggering to me emotionally but also it was just as hard working with you know quite middle class and you know and self-consciously privileged um like activists um in a different way and I feel like yeah trauma was the experiences of trauma were definitely one of the things that made it emotionally difficult to 
um, to uh, yeah exist and work in that that world and um, and yeah that and yeah Nicole and I are good friends. Nicole was actually there when I had my baby, um, holding my hand while I was being cut open with the for the cesarean section. So yeah, um, it, yeah, knowing Nicole was, was yeah, and working with Nicole for many years was um, yeah, with you <laughs> was yeah, was like you know a big thing for me because yeah, there's not many people that have the kind of shared experience like this I feel in social movements but yeah that's kind of it oh and that, yeah that was a very <clears throat> memorable day when your little one was born um so I know yeah like again trauma and class are like big things and I think there's this like union kind of like Marxisty kind of like approach where it's like anyone who sells their labor is like somehow working class and it's like all of us against like the fucking landed gentry or something and I think it really like can invisibilize different people's experience um and I know like class is like really hard to define but I just wondered if you could like speak to that a little bit and like share like your perspectives on like what is class and like why why does it matter yeah well like it's something that it's been hard to get to grips with over the years it, because as someone that like believes in revolution and believes in like you know destroying capitalism like we're working with the social movements we've got and you know there was the occupy movement all of us against the one percent and you know that that makes sense in one way because the one percent owns more than like the rest of us combined but the nuances of everything in between is pretty important because it's literally how divide and rule works um, in a way where you know some sections of our society have been bribed to control other sections of society in order to maintain order and to make us all feel like we all have a shot at being one of those like middle class people and that if we're not like that it's kind of our fault because we live in a meritocracy but like some things that I've read in the last few years that have helped me make sense of this was there is a book called The Middle Class is the Enemy it's quite a provocative title but it does talk about this um, situation where people have been bought off to, to, you know, to have a stake in a system and have control over other people, like you know, landlords, managers, bosses, um, people that work in um, things that are entangled with surveillance and control of working class and underclass people. Um, another book that was like, you know, a big moments for me was you know obviously D Hunter's book um and it was just you know um it was just amazing to to read and you know really really harrowing as well at the same time because you know this person's been through so much and the you know the people in his life has been through so much as well and then one bu book that I never bothered to read because I thought, you know, I'm on the left. I'd probably know everything anyway. Like the book was kind of advertised as a book for people that weren't so aware. But Owen Jones's book, um, Chavs, like I recently um, listened to it on audiobook and actually it really contextualizes the way things have changed, like why the... Um, there's like kind of an identity crisis of the working class at the moment. Um, you know, how Margaret Thatcher, how she absolutely decimated the heavy industries and the unions and the communities, like totally slaughtered the communities 
and created all this mass unemployment that was kind of masked by things like incapacity benefits. Obviously, there were there, there are genuinely disabled people, like people in my family, that needed the incapacity benefits when it was that. But like in Owen Jones's book, it talks about how this was used to sort of massage the figures and employment figures after so many people, like in the height of the Thatcher years, three million people were unemployed, and they ran a campaign against Labour before she got in. You know, um, labour isn't working because there were one million unemployed. But um, yeah, so basically, the dis- destruction of people's livelihoods like this, like it meant that there was a loss of identity, and then there was kind of it led to a portrayal of these people without jobs being feckless. They, you know, they're lazy. You know, it's their fault they don't have a job rather than all the work in that community is gone. That's been there for generations is gone. And it's just, you know, as, um, you know, more more industry has le- left the the UK for, for dis- different reasons. And, you know, Margaret Thatcher's initiative of buy your council house as well, you know, get a stake in capitalism. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. So that book was really, really quite interesting in contextualising this and the whole kind of thing. Of, so, like, you know, the unions now, I, I can't imagine it was like this in the beginning, but Owen Jones's book talks about how in the beginning unions were run by and for working class people. Now they are a career in themselves and, you know, people earning, you know, really high wages and pretty much out of touch with a lot of people that they, you know, would represent as workers. There's so many people, so many things have been privatised, so the unions are strong in the public sector but not so much in the private sector. Like conditions are so bad in so many workplaces, there's just a really high turnover. And like you talked in the book about how it's so hard to do workplace organising because people in supermarkets and other like jobs in in areas that used to have like heavy industry, they the turnover is really high because the conditions are so awful. And yeah, so it's like trying to think about like the there's a book also by Dan Evans in Cardiff called what's it called um the it's the well anyway it's written by dan evans and it's something something the rise of the bourgeois petty bourgeoisie and basically it talks about how most people are now middle class and that was really refreshing because a lot of people on the left wing just want to i think fundamentally part of it comes down to people on the left feeling self-conscious about their privilege and wanting to be working class and like instead of owning the privilege kind of just saying no we're all we're all working class and it kind of totally like you said flattens everyone's experiences invisibilizes people that have much more you know the the class oppression is like a thousandfold you know it comes at you in loads of different ways the stigma the you know inability to get by day to day the just like so many things and it's like yeah it basically it's like I've been trying to read to get to terms with it, but at the end of the day, you feel things in your guts, like what what kind of your relationship with class is. And when people are kind of misusing or misunderstanding the word, it does feel painful because it yeah, it does kind of um, you know, flatten your experiences and it doesn't it doesn't kind of respect the nuances. Like there's so many nuances in it. There's people you know that grow up, grow, grow up really, really working class, but are like 
kind of are managing to get by now their immediate like family are managing to get by okay now they were not in the situation that they were growing up um and like this is like you know a nuanced difference from people that are still in the job center maybe have active addiction everyone in their life is in the same situation as them as well and trying to support them and you know their circle of friends is the same it's not black and white because obviously there's every combination in between like a lot of people who are managing now have lots of people in their lives that are still struggling like like maybe like kind of that's the situation I relate to most because I've managed to um you know through to to I have a job now and yeah I'm renting and I've got like really dodgy and bad housing situation where you know I was evicted last year and things like this but like the people in my life, like members of my family and some friends are in a much worse situation to me, much more precarious, much more. So it's just, yeah, like this question is so emotionally charged for me. It's just hard not to go on and on and about on and on about it. But but yeah, this is, um, yeah, it's it's everything we do every day and how we live. And it, and it is pretty old fashioned and it's quite reminds me more of the authoritarian left people that kind of ignore any difference like that you know but yeah (laughs) that's it yeah no a hundred percent and like you know like you said like things can get like really flattened like you know there are different experiences for people like if they're racialized if they're disabled like you know if they have like immigration status here like there's just so many layers to it and I think I think you're right that it is very like emotionally charged and often somehow that emotional charge can like just not distract but like people can you know we don't always think about like the structural things like you know like why are landlords like contributing to poverty and stuff rather than like everyone just feeling uncomfortable with how much privilege they have if that makes sense with this real like navel gazing kind of like middle class trait of just like you know, not wanting to talk about it or whatever. And like, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it is like <laughs> complex. Um, but I just, yeah, like you did mention um, D Hunter in the book, like Chav Solidarity, which I think has had like a big impact on people's like understanding of class. And I know that there is this kind of like framework of like underclass. And I just wondered, and you mentioned it in your introduction as well. I just wondered, like, what do you think about that kind of underclass like worldview, like you know what is the underclass if that makes sense yeah I like definitely like I agree with what you said about like those intersecting oppressions and like an underclass in a way is it feels like when several of these oppressions co-occur and it creates kind of a really really um yeah people are put in desperate situations like I'm kind of grappling with what underclass is because it feels like like although I obviously the stuff in the Hunter's book I couldn't relate to all of it of course but like people in like in my family they have been yeah like put into different institutions and we had you know I had some we our family had some intervention with in from social services going up and stuff like yeah it like I think it was a really, really important book that kind of showed a way people live that a lot of people are really ignorant to that maybe like when people write about um underclass people they think about like gangsters and you know really kind of weird like tv depictions of it and it's usually written by middle class people 
but like the whole like spectrum of experience that underclass people kind of have and you know all the barriers there are to like making life a little bit stable and the so like the complicated feelings are things like you know I could cut off everyone I know and care about that are struggling in a similar way I could become like completely you know selfish and just think about getting my life on track and but it, it and you know and get some stability but that just that's just not the world that you want to live in and Chav Solidarity it felt like that was the you know the beauty that came in that book that people in that situation help each other in a way that honestly like is completely foreign to like typical middle class culture because middle class culture I think is built on something that you're gonna further yourself and you're not gonna let anyone pull you down and you know social mobility because a lot you know the whole thing of being socially mobile it's you know being socially mobile it's quite a precarious place because you could be downward downwardly socially mobile you know you could lose everything but it's like it feels like yeah Trav solidarity the way people help each other in really like you know special ways that's really beautiful and and that's why you know people don't like people would rather stay and support each other than just you know sack everyone off and just decide I'm gonna be a careerist I'm gonna and you know and that's something I'm grappling with to be honest because now I have a daughter I feel like I really have to try and push you know get some stability because like I don't want her to have a lot of difficult experiences um that is inevitable when you are not like middle class or whatever but also I feel like it's really hard to like go forward and like and do all the ridiculous things capitalism asks of you when you've got crisis after crisis after crisis happening all around you and it's like the emergencies that family members or friends are having and you just it just feels really hard to like you know manage all of that plus all of your own struggles and it's just you know people like there was a lot of stuff about like I agree with having boundaries but having boundaries sometimes and it's quite feels like the self-care boundaries stuff it feels like quite a middle class thing like where it came through but I feel like if 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 middle class people with the time and some people do like this is you know there are exceptions to the rule and I've experienced this if people shared their um ability to like support other people um and to kind of absorb the shocks that their work in the class or working class friends have, then that can go a long way in kind of sharing the privilege and, sh- and you know, helping people kind of keep an even keel. But it's like, the, if all feels still pretty vague and hard to pinpoint, because I think, like, the whole trauma aspect of it, it's really, um, it's a really big part of it. And obviously people traumatise for lots of different things, but it feels like when trauma and class intersect like for example um like a member of my family was like sectioned like you know five times in like four days by the police and the psychiatric hospital wouldn't accept him why why would they I think I'm pretty sure they would accept him if he was like a middle class person but because he'd been to prison before for like um you know 
for, for as a result of his addictions and stuff and because of um um yeah and because he's like big and and you know covered in tattoos and and scars and stuff i really feel like he did not get the support on the nhs that other people would have had and um like it feels like if things go wrong if you're middle class you know there is a there is a cushion there's a safety net be it family that have money or you know you have money to like you know be able to not work for a bit or pay for like some healthcare if you can't get it on the nhs but it's like yeah like it's they're linked but i still don't understand quite how they're linked but in, there's a gut feeling i have that they are really close things but it's really hard to verbalize it because everyone's experience is so different and and yeah it's just hard to um it bring it together in, in a way like yeah no for sure like it's definitely like super like super complex and um I think what you're saying about like the safety net is like really critical because like yeah like I think a lot of people with kind of like you know who've grown up with like a lot of stability for example like I know there's like a lot of emotional deprivation and a lot of kind of um middle and upper class experiences but I think like you might experience something traumatic but ultimately like you're not then also worrying about like if you're going to eat that day right like it's it's it is different and I think like the trauma of like poverty for example like is traumatizing in and of itself like even if you had a really loving family who were really stable and didn't have kind of like really challenging like mental health issues like the way that our parents kind of did like you would still be affected by this kind of like intense like survival scarcity feeling that like dominates like working class life right um but yeah is there are there any other ways you think like trauma kind of relates to class yeah definitely like you said the being like having this scarcity of resources like moving house you know half a dozen time when you're growing up it's yeah like you just like trauma and class are like completely intertwined and that's especially you know after what Thatcher did and people um the all the problems that came with unemployment and how you know traumatic for the community it is to be unemployed and not knowing if you can you know that being in like real poverty in that way it's like um yeah it's just part and parcel of it and then people self-medicate and addiction comes into it and with addiction comes more trauma and it's like a self-perpetuating cycle um and like more kind of the, the ways that middle class upper class people have to cope with things like of course there's addiction there but you know if you have an addiction in your middle class or upper class you can somehow sometimes get still live a stable life like I knew someone that had um uh, addiction to heroin but they had in they had a high paying job and they had enough money so it actually did not um turn their life upside down like it does for people that are scraping the pennies together or turning to like um risk legally risky behavior to to like basically um get money so they can numb their pain um 
and you know there's things like you can pay for therapies like culturally there's more like ways to like work through pain and trauma um but you know when if in if you're if you don't have access to those things and then it's just you know alcohol is the and you know people are time poor as well as money poor so people don't even if they had the money to access um therapies people don't often have time or childcare. and on top of this like going on my experience now I I was under the perinatal mental health team after I had my daughter because um well long story short my mum had postpartum psychosis I was really worried about developing this because you know it can be genetic so I like contacted the perinatal mental health team and they um they talked to me and although I didn't develop uh, postnatal psychosis, which actually Nicole was a big part of like supporting me because I was so worried about getting it. Like Nicole, you supported me a lot through that. I didn't develop it, but the perinatal mental health team saw I had a lot of trauma and I, for, for the first time in my life, saw a psych- like a proper psychologist for an extended period of time. And I was offered things like EMDR, which I'd wanted for years, but actually when we tried to get down to it because every week something new and awful was happening like my brother was being arrested and going in and out of jail and my dad was like diagnosed with cancer and then I was evicted and you know and then a whole host of other things in between I can't remember now but oh yeah I've had an awful situation at my workplace like where there was like ableism and classism going on and it was really like mentally hard but basically my psychologist told me I can't do MDR with you because and I'd read this in Judith Herman's book Trauma and Recovery which is a really good book actually and a lot less um, objectifying than other books like The Body Keeps the Score so this basically they said that um, until your life is stable we can't do um, treatment for trauma because I was in active trauma. So there was no point in me having treatment for, you know, different trauma in my past. I was in it now, like through being like in a, preca- a new parent that was, you know, in a precarious um, position, like, you know, in working class or whatever, or surrounded by people that are in the class. But like, yeah, so it's it's like you can't, even if you did have access to therapies, Unless you know that you have a home that you have, you know, that you're going to be able to pay for heating and for food and that, you know, that you have a somewhat secure future and that the people around you, because my my dad's illness wasn't the only thing that worried me. Like he works in London, he sleeps as his work as a carer and he stays with friends and he's done this for 10 years. So he doesn't actually have a place to live in London. He, my but he my brother lives in north wales and in in my dad's house but actually my brother is in such a vulnerable state and has so many problems and like the insane stuff that keeps happening it wouldn't really work for my dad to live there so it's like where where is my dad gonna live like i was just thinking about this like and when i was evicted i was like where am i gonna you know if i don't find somewhere and if i'm housed in a hostel family hostel by the council my dad's not going to have anywhere to live out his last you know time um so yeah I was like overwhelmed at that point and like I was told that there was no point in having therapy for trauma because I was 
things and and like people you know so many people are in this situation i'm not an anomaly you know one in five kids in wales uh live in poverty and people who live in poverty their lives our lives are usually really 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 chaotic and um yeah it's like like the therapies it's like you know two steps forward like the first thing people like the need people need to kind of deal with trauma is to not be in 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 a traumatic situation anymore and i remember talking to you about this nicole a lot about the whole concept of therapy for people in prison like yeah therapy for people in prison but how about people not being in in prison because the idea of giving therapy to people when they are in active trauma in a place that is actively really disturbing and traumatizing it kind of you know defeats the point do you know what i mean so yeah kind of thinking about these things yeah 100 percent. like i think that's why with my like herbalism ptsd and traumatic stress course like i didn't i wanted it to be framed as like people that are experiencing like ongoing traumatic stress and like what things can help their nervous systems to like survive those experiences because yeah like the whole kind of PTSD framework is like you've had this traumatic event in your past that you're trying to heal from and it doesn't really like do justice to like the complexity of it or the fact that it's ongoing and like yeah like you said it's like yeah like it's also why with the course I didn't want to do it so that people had some sort of exchange of like oh if you can't afford the course you can come and help like weed my garden or some shit because I think I think it's really offensive because like you said it's like it's not just it's like literally not just about money right and I think that's how a lot of people like you know a lot of people from a middle class background will be like oh I'm so poor but it's actually you know you're not poor like you're broke do you know what I mean like you it's like a different thing and I think we can't reduce class to how much money is in your bank account or like your economic status in that point because like you said it's you know it's all of these factors and yeah like I think there is a tendency for people to just want to yeah just want to like leave people behind you know like I think if I'd have left prison and not continued to support my friends in there you know I probably would have you know my mum like remarried when I left home and you know met a middle class guy with resources and bought this amazing place with land I mean it's his place and I moved in here so it's like this huge access to like stability that I never had growing up like I lived in like 21 houses or something by the time I was 16 but it's like if I'd have just left my friends in prison to kind of rot I probably would have had a fairly stress-free life right like I could have just you know I mean I didn't like left home at 16 so I didn't have like GCSEs I mean A levels or whatever but anyway but I'm just saying like there is this tendency for people to like leave each other behind somehow because they're like yeah you're too chaotic like I actually had a guy break up with me once who was just like yeah like I can't I can't deal with your life like because every month was like a different thing every month was like a different you know suicide attempt by a close friend or supporting like someone who was dying and doing like loads of caring labor and like looking after my grandparents and just like running up and down the country and then trying to do like loads of like class-based like survival organizing stuff around prison like with you um <clears throat> anyway I'm, I'm like rambling now but I just yeah I just like wanted to ask about you know like 
okay i mean you've already spoken to this like already about like you know what do you think people have as like options for accessing support like i know for me like seeing my mum like clinically depressed like pretty much my entire childhood like having nervous breakdowns being suicidal da 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 but like not managing to access help like counseling or even like a healthcare practitioner you know like a like a herbalist like if someone had given her hormonal support like I think everything could have been different um but you know she didn't access that support because of always being at the breadline and like that's you know why I wanted to, to kind of create a clinic that was like sliding scale and like free to people like in need <sighs> yeah and you know working class folks are nearly always like the most affected by traumatic shit but it always feels like there's like you know sweet fuck all available in terms of like support or solidarity and I just wondered like yeah like what are your thoughts on you know accessing support for people or like when has support that you've been given like felt kind of meaningful you know like what do you think kind of needs to be done if that makes sense other than you know just like abolishing capitalism and this whole horrible system like first of all I want to say like definitely not ramble it you're not rambling because it's important for people here these things like I've been dumped by like two friends in my life because like even though I was always careful to be like consensual about talking about my like kind of chaotic life they just yeah like I had some pretty like serious legal like yeah I was I had a pretty serious like court case a couple of years ago as you remember probably and yeah I lost a, a friend because like the chaos is just too much for people and it disturbs their peace and these are radical anarchists and it's just like um yeah like it's it's important to talk about it and like all those things you talk about like moving house all the time like I like I was the same and people people just think that it's being broke and that's it and it's that simple but it's like the whole like experience of it it's like a different universe living day by day and like when when I when you like in terms of like health support to be able to like withstand this like I I part of me just feels like I just want to say like 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 there was a thing I a, me, a meme or whatever I saw recently that said no amount of gentle parenting can um address like um an unjust society and I was because I've got a daughter I've been putting loads of pressure on myself to basically be the perfect parent that is not gonna transfer all this trauma down to her but I I haven't I feel like I'm doing a fantastic job so far I'm just literally doing what I can but in terms of like health access to healthcare what is like what is available I remember having when I was pregnant a consultation with you and it was like a very long conversation talking about all my physical and like you know somewhat emotional stuff and you know, when you're in fight or flight, you don't notice your body. You don't notice the feelings you have in the body. You, I didn't really notice that I'd had like uh, ulcers for like months on end. I didn't notice the pain here or there that I had because um, like I had lots of problems with musculoskeletal um, stuff. And like it's, you know, like the Gabba Mata book is really interesting. The, um, the myth of normal it talks about the immune system and all this kind of stuff and the impact stress has on it and and like yeah like people that are in the class are under an immense amount of stress all the time 
and become dis you know dislocated from their bodies and I did feel that talking to you for that like extended period of time you know it's even being able to notice your body and think about your body and I had yeah and the tonics you gave me it w- it was really really good and like I'm I'm hoping to do your course like soon because I just yeah I like I go through like bursts of doing things that kind of help me a little bit um like trying, when I kind of address a problem I have like I've got bad insomnia I addressed my sleep a little bit that got better but then other things fell to the wayside it's just like being time poor and it's being really hard to look after ourselves basically but I do feel like the stuff you're doing and the way you're doing it that it's like you know free if someone needs it but that people that can afford it respectfully pay um and the people with resources respectfully pay I think is like the way forward um because yeah like we are not gonna um we are not gonna move forward with you know this like rigid class structure without people that have the privilege being able to share it somewhat and you know it's 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 also rewarding to have people from different walks of life in your life like you know us in the class people we don't just take 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 like you Nicole you're one of the most giving people I know I know I get you know I try and give a lot to the people that are in my life you know and and a lot of other people as as well like it just feels like don't yeah don't interact with people like you're you know supporting them out of charity it's like you know it's a two-way thing like you middle class or like privileged people could learn a lot of things and you know, get perspective on their own lives through interacting with different people in a way that is in solidarity. So, yeah, I I don't have much ideas about how we can like heal that that heal the trauma. Like one thing that people have been talking about, especially in like um, I was involved in the Kurdistan Solidarity Network talking about distributing wealth, like people with money giving money to people that don't have money, and like that people did that a few times. I think like solidarity economy kind of framework like um and and yeah like because it's quite traumatizing not having um yeah enough money for the basics when there is a cash injection like it can buy you some breathing space that you desperately need to plan your next move to cope with your ongoing poverty or whatever so like i know like um some group some like left groups that have like at Christmas or whatever, everyone with money put money in and then people that don't have money take some money out. And it was brilliant, to be honest. So, yeah, I I think thinking like that is a good way as well. And it's in the same kind of principles as the stuff you're doing, Nicole. So, yeah, that's it. Aww. I think, like, I think we've talked about this as well, right, of, like, when, like, it's, like, the things that, people actually need that are like survival orientated are somehow like the least sexy campaigns or something does that make sense or like people will like almost like put their nose up at like some kind of like picket at someone's workplace or something to get like a 10p increase in wages or something and they'll just be like oh it's reformist blah 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 and it's like oh actually for those people working in that place like that little diff that little amount is going to make a big difference to them and like yeah like I think a lot of like movement stuff like doesn't doesn't focus on this kind of like helping each other survive somehow and I think people who 
are sort of more like femme socialized like we're a bit more socialized to be like carers or like I think me and you both like had similar childhoods in the sense of like wanting to take on like caring well not wanting but having to take on like survival-based caring responsibilities within our families and like that you know is interesting that that it kind of continues into like movement spaces you know the fact that we both organize around like you know like health or like poverty or I worked as a carer or do you know what I mean but I just yeah I just wanted to ask because like I think a lot of people listening like you know obviously there's like herbalists and stuff but I think a lot of people who um it sounds really pretentious to be like who follow the solidarity apothecary but people you know like in our networks like are often people that have been active in like the anarchist movement or like different social movements and I know you've like been very active in the Welsh language movement um I just wondered like what have been your experiences of class like in those kind of movement spaces like particularly like it's mixed like at certain points it's felt like it's it was the kind of the stable middle class family like that I you know I love my family so much and you know the their situations are not their fault they've been dealt with some really hard cards in their lives and they have given me you know as much as they they could and have you know have have you know they've done their best and so have I but like people being like at a young age getting involved in the Welsh language movement and there were you know people quite privileged people around and it did for a moment you know feel like you know they were it felt like a little bit like I'd like like being in 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 the family and you know when I had my baby they sent me a box of cakes and you know they you know and, and the same with anarchist movement like for a while it it you know I really felt like like family because you know I've been estranged from a, my a lot of my family like for a long long time like and you know on and off so but when classist classism kind of comes up and you know intersecting with sexism and ableism because I'm like dyslexic and dyspraxic and stuff it is pretty painful exactly because you know that you you know it, it feels like you know you're people and you know you're struggling together to change so struggling to to change things but like I've had experiences of you know go just always like to be honest the only time I ever did public speaking was with you in empty cages I was involved for many years in lots of different groups um and I was kind of given like you know small opportunities to talk and stuff but it was only really in empty cages that I was like supported to like host workshops on my own something I never ever thought I'd do like public speaking and like I went to Cardiff Transformed this year and it was like there was a panel on homelessness and there was no homeless or formerly homeless people there and it was just to be honest like you know people activists that were doing really good work but you know we all know that things should be led by the people most affected but it's still not happening like on all these panels and all these kind of you know situations um when we're even talking about class um it's always you know middle class kind of activists that are you know making their voices heard and being visible and it's not and you know there should be more effort to support people from the you know the people from those backgrounds to talk even if they don't do it perfectly you know their voices should be the center of 
any conversation and you know it's 2023 like we already know this but it's not not really happening um I had some kind of weird experience you know experiences of classism in different like like all like some you know there's countless to be honest and there's probably not no point in like going through them all but it's just um yeah it it does happen relentlessly all the time and and sometimes when I bring it up, people deny that it's real because, you know, class is not a protected characteristic on a par with other ones because anyone really can say they're working class if their granddad was a minor or something. And because it's a bit intangible, like um, I even heard of a fund that basically removed working class as one of their protected characteristics or whatever to use that liberal language because it just meant everyone was just applying and there was no way of really, like, you know, like, checking or whatever. It it does sound very strange. Like, um, yeah, the class is a problem. And, like, yeah, you wrote the um, uh, that article that outlined, like, we talked a lot in Waking Them to Cages about classism that we encountered in organising and yeah, when class is a struggle, you wrote that piece that kind of summarised a lot of those experiences. Um, and um, yeah, like I, I don't know, like I've I've started writing about class, but I feel like I do it under a pen name because, you know, I feel like um, if if it feels really stigmatised still, and I feel like I don't want to you know talk about those things in a way that um kind of it feels very exposing and I just want to be able to write and have my stuff read without having to reveal everything about me but when you do have stuff like you know a background that's a bit different to the you know norm the culture kind of tells you because you know there is a lot of underclass people, but it's portrayed as something very marginal and not the norm. But actually, there's a hell of a lot of people that have those experiences. But it's like, um, it's just, yeah, it just feels a bit exposing. Like there was that whole time where Benefit Street, like there was like a, a pornographic view of people's lives in poverty. And it was pretty unethical how they were filming those things. And it feels like if you have a struggle, you have to expose every part of yourself for it for any recognition. It feels like you know re- that feels a little bit hard. And even though you want people to understand about your experiences, like I don't want, I don't particularly want to talk about these really difficult and uncomfortable things, um, like all the time. But there, it does feel like there is a pressure to do this. Like the, you, it feels like you're not really believed about. Um, your background unless you go and tell people absolutely everything and yeah I don't know yeah it's it organizing is really hard um so yeah yeah no totally and like I think there's it's like it's it's challenging in it like this kind of like almost like this like social capital somehow of like suffering or like you know like and also that things are like fixed right like I think you named at the beginning that like you know sometimes someone can have a challenging childhood and like things then kind of like improve or they have access to resources like I mentioned like my mum 
you know, marrying a middle class man and that just like changed everything for us. And so a lot of the stuff like I write about is sort of historical, but then obviously like all the prisoner support stuff means I'm still, you know, being affected by, you know, these sort of systems in different ways. But like, yeah, it is kind of like, yeah, just weird that like there's almost this like, I don't know. Yeah. Like just this like disclosure pressure or something like in order to like access care or support from people, we have to somehow just like, you know, like, yeah, like you said, like be hyper vulnerable or like somehow like compete with like other people that have needs. And I think there's this kind of like weird oppression Olympics thing, right. Of like, oh, I don't really like deserve that because I'm not as like hard done by as like that person you know like that goes back to fucking stupid like Monty Python like you know it's like hideous like horrible like racist classist like comedy show from England like you know that's like decades old but there's these two characters that are like oh well I grew up in a box and then the other one's like well at least you had a box and it's like yeah like the internet is a weird world and it's like it is weird like how challenging it can feel to talk about this stuff um and that like yeah almost like you mentioned to bring it back to the beginning about like um like merit meritocracy of like people just kind of think like why aren't you why haven't you like climbed out of this mess do you know what I mean like why why are you still chaotic or you know and I I like was pretty broke like before I launched my course in February and I just like was so full of self-loathing of like Nicole you're 35 like how are you back here again like without acknowledging like all the you know chronic stress and bereavements and you know horrible stuff of losing Taylor and everything but it's like yeah anyway I completely agree that it's like challenging to talk about and I think like trauma in general is like challenging to talk about and there is this like weird world of the internet where people are like somehow comparing themselves to each other or I don't know and I think like I don't I don't want to critique identity politics in the sense of like I think it's like fucking important that people are talking about like racism and capitalism and gender and you know like all of these things but like I think yeah there is also that like liberal like neoliberal co-option of it where it's like you know become like very shallow and it's become very much like you know people's fucking privilege points and like what's in your fucking bio you know and like I think we talked about it before that like we're both bisexual and like you know like for some people that's like their access to resource like oh I'm part of their LGBT community like da 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 and like for us like it's such a minor thing compared to other experiences of class that have like harmed us and shaped our lives um and yeah like but I know it, I know it's really difficult to think about like solutions and like you mentioned like a couple of things like the Kurdish Solidarity Network and like you know people redistributing wealth and like I do think projects like the Classworks Project are doing like really interesting workshops where they're getting people to be really fucking honest about their resources and you know what they're going to inherit and you know like encouraging people to distribute yeah like their resources but I just wondered like if there's yeah if there's anything else you can think of that like you know is has sort of inspired you politically recently where people are kind of like showing up for each other more um I feel like I've I haven't 
being able to be part of the political world like in in a way that I would like to like people have tried to kind of support me to take part but when I try to do the campaign for amnesty for the um young people that were right rioting arrested for rioting nearly it completely like decimated my ability to function day to day like I was doing the campaign and I was not managing to you know um do the keep you know keep clean make hot food on time healthy food you know I I would just wasn't managing so like like I feel like um the a lot in in the last 10 years like I I always thought that it's an important part of anarchism is making community and for people that are stuck in the house whether it's because they're disabled or have caring responsibilities for people to go to those people and you know I have friends from the movement that come and visit me sometimes but it's like you know really there should be you know more more of this and like I I and a lot of people are in really dire housing situation at the moment and I try to reach out to like old networks uh, locally about you know the idea of making some kind of trying to create some kind of initiative so that we can house ourselves in like a cooperative way um or and like also just things to kind of projects because we were fighting austerity for like you know last 12 years or whatever right and you know austerity kind of won and we've been left with like nothing really and so it just felt like the logical next step like the government is not looking after us obviously we always knew this is anarchist we need to create our own like um organizations institutions or whatever to look after each each other and ourselves but like when i kind of reached out there it was not really much there was not uh, there was no response and it does sometimes like the the kind of bitter part of me feels like well you know why would they they all either own houses or have you know parents that they can live with or this and that and you know there is some bitterness and jealousy that is a really ugly side of you know my class position that I am a bit ashamed of because jealousy does come into it for me because I do wish that you know that I had more resources obviously um but like it just feels like you know if there were people with that privilege that would really seriously consider doing the long term you know difficult human interaction like unglamorous work of building up things that cater for our needs and you know these people not just for anarchists and people on the left but for every you know normal people that just want to live because I'm not able to do much at all anymore like hardly anything like I'm just grasping at being able to do anything politically by finding writing work where I can write about my experiences and my political analysis through that. Otherwise, I I can't do anything. I've tried and it's just resulted in, you know, things falling apart. So like, yeah, accepting, basically creating things for people and not necessarily just people on the left, anyone that needs it and, um, you know, working on that and also like we need to a way to like collectivize our experiences in the class and working class people and try and transcend those boundaries to some extent so that we can have like a strong like working class identity because like in the class it does segment it basically segments the respectable working class from the 
and disrespect of you know the disgrace working class or whatever and it's like that was a tool used by you know a divide and rule tool so to to turn working class people against each other just how you know how racism is a tool for that so it's like building things that kind of you know do things like this and like as a parent of a young child all these churches have um groups for little kids um and they have a snack and a drink and people come together. Often people, you know, mums that don't have, um, maybe are not working, don't have the money to work. Like, there's a people from, you know, different backgrounds there. Like, if imagine if anarchists were running groups like this and doing things in the community. I know we're trying to stop all the bad things from happening and fascism and all of this and campaign after campaign and fighting for the environment but I feel like sometimes we're not really um we could be doing things like rooting in the community that could build something rather than constantly trying to fight the state on this law that law this policy that policy like we're not fighting from a place of strength and if we kind of you know put our roots down in communities and created things that communities could use and and in this way, then we would um, be in a stronger position to like create something because it feels now like it has felt for a long time just firefighting and n- not much success in that. Despite everyone's really hard work, like people work themselves into the ground, burn themselves out, and yeah, like yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, that was like a serious mic drop moment of like yeah, I completely agree that like I think. I've been part of sort of resistance movements for such a long time and that's exactly what it is right it is just resistance like it is pushing back and you know that's really powerful too like I'm fucking stoked that my county hasn't been turned into a fucking gas field like from fracking or whatever like like you said like some of those wins are really important or you know like a bunch of the prisons that we were fighting like didn't get built but like yeah like I think I think what you said is really beautiful and like about you know like rooting in and like providing those kind of like building that infrastructure of care and I think part of why there isn't as much like movement focus on it is because it is just like so invisibilized like caring labor which is obviously extremely gendered is like completely invisibilized like completely devalued politically like I remember when I was like you know we were trying to develop this like incarcerated working no incarcerated workers organizing committee group like within the IWW like the industrial workers of the world which is a kind of like anarchist-esque union like I remember going to their conference and like this dude like just talking about class and stuff and I I asked him something like in a workplace context and I asked him about what about like caring labor and like people excluded from the workplace who are actually fucking working all day long right like you know you don't fucking stop for breath like looking after your little one and yeah and he just was like so dismissive and it just felt like so tiring like I can't believe we're still here where like you know this stuff is like so just deemed as like so unimportant compared to like other forms of struggle somehow um and I think yeah what you shared is really really important um is there anything else you would like to kind of um share like before we finish about class and trauma like anything that's come up like as we're talking no just thank you for um inviting me to talk and I just want to 
yeah, say my appreciation for all the stuff you've done. Um, like, you know, it's not vis- it's not on the Instagram ninety percent of what you do, and you know the things you've been through, and um, you know it's been a real source of strength to me to have a friend like you that you know gets it, and I've got some you know shared. We we don't have shared history because we didn't grow up together, but you know what I mean. Like we have some things from our the way that we grew. The um, yeah, and it's you know really good not to feel alone. So um, yeah, I'm really proud of everything you've achieved and like your advice for um, for you know for people. And I'm glad that like people are listening and just yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, uh, thanks so much for coming. And yeah, you've been just like you know literally my best friend for years and supported me through like hellish years of prisoner support that like no one else really understood and yeah I sometimes think that like two femmes who are like highly socialized to be hyper responsible like we were actually like a massive fucking dream team (laughs) when we were organizing together um but yeah I love you loads and yeah thank you so much for your time and energy and um yeah I'll put the links to some of the books and things you mentioned and if there's any other resources just let me know and I'll share them in the show notes but otherwise like thank you so much again for your time and thanks everyone for listening thanks so much for listening to the frontline herbalism podcast you can find the transcript the links all the resources from the show at solidarityapothecary.org forward slash podcast